there are experiences in our lives uh, that will always be etched in our minds and it really doesn't matter how long our lives are there there are those seasons or experiences things that we pass through that uh, are forever a part of our memory and some of those are good uh, quite honestly some of those are bad uh, probably this time of the coronavirus pandemic will be a time for the vast majority of us that will be a season of our life that is always in our minds and we can we'll always be able to go back and just picture that in our minds and you know so many times those experiences that we pass through uh, at the time we, we can't see any good from it and there's many things we could talk about this morning about uh, the problems that we face but you know many times in life it's only when we look back we have a perspective of some time that we see the hand of God uh, one of those experiences in my life that's forever etched in my mind and something I can still see in my mind is something that happened 25 years ago uh, it was a time in our family's life when we were in post and um, it was, as I remember, it, well, it was winter time, and I, I think it was after Christmas, and we were going skiing with the kids for the first time, and we were going with our family. And uh, we lived in Post, if you're thinking geographically, and, but my family's coming from Wichita Falls, and the plan was to leave early in the morning, and we were going to drive from Post, and they were going to drive from Wichita Falls, and we were going to have breakfast at a McDonald's in Amarillo. And uh, I can still experience this in my brain. And it's, it's one of those experiences that you just, that I will never forget. I remember that morning, we, we left about 4 a.m. And I remember, even though it was wintertime, it was very, it was balmy, uh, which is a little unusual in West Texas. It was a little bit warm, and you could feel the moisture in the air. And uh, the kids are all small. And uh, don't judge me on this one, but um, we had a minivan, and um, so the strategy is we're just going to lay the kids down in the minivan. And so they were on benches, they were on the floor, this is before car seats. And so if you think back in your brain, the other thing that factors into this story is there was no um, indicator inside that van of the temperature outside and I think I remember at the time that I, I knew that there was supposed to be a cold front that was coming through um, but it was just kind of a different day and so we leave about four in the morning and the kids are all asleep Amy was asleep in the passenger seat and we go through Lubbock and we're heading north and what you need to understand is at some point in that journey between Lubbock and Amarillo in that two hours the temperature begins to plummet and there's moisture in the air but there was no precipitation that was falling you probably figured out what happened and there's a reason there's road signs that say bridges ice before anything else you know 
And uh, never forget it, etched in my mind until the day I die, I'm sure. When I hit one of those overpasses in our Dodge minivan, that minivan went out of control and we began to spin. And I don't know how many times we went around and around, but it was a number of times. And uh, it it was a helpless feeling for me as a father knowing that the most precious thing in this world that I had was in that minivan and I was I was out of control it didn't matter what I was doing with that steering wheel and um, I don't know how many times we went around and we went around but the amazing thing is we stayed on the road and when we finally came to a stop we are in the road and we are still headed in the right direction and um, now you have to understand this is this is before Carrie Underwood ever sang Jesus take the wheel but I'm serious anytime I hear that that song or even that song alluded to my mind flashes to that dark early morning and our minivan going around and around and around quite honestly I don't even think the kids woke up but I knew that we had come to the place where it could have ended quite tragically. Um, wasn't a good thing at the time. <laughs> but you know, as I reflect back on it in my life, and there's other times like this, that it was a reminder that God, even though I had lost control, that God had not lost control. And so even though it was a really bad experience at the time, when I look back on it, it is a reminder of a very powerful truth in my life that God's hand never lost control of me and my family. The early church had an experience, or we might even say a season that they passed through in which life as they knew it changed it was something that God allowed to come into their life and it was several years since the death and resurrection of Jesus and I'm sure as they looked at it there was nothing good about what they were passing through but you know 2,000 years later when we look back at the story and we read it in the book of Acts what we realized that in the end it was something even though they perceived as bad that God used for his glory Uh, and so in Acts 8 1 uh, there's a statement that is made and I want you to to see it and you have your Bibles open in your Bibles Uh, and really for the book of Acts if you study the book of Acts it's a transition Acts I really think Byron even alluded to this last Sunday in his sermon. But this is what it says, and this is just the history of the early church. Several years in, a lot has happened already, but it says, Now Saul was consenting to his death. And that, it's an allusion right there to what's preceded this, which is the martyrdom of Stephen. And Saul, before he became the apostle, he was consenting to Saul's death. But then it says, At that time, a great persecution arose against the church 
which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except for the apostles. Uh, so when Luke is writing the history of the early church, uh, he, he, he denotes that the church is entering into a different season of their life when he, when he writes, at that time, there is something that is happening there. And what he begins to describe is they were entering into a different season, which became a time of intense persecution. So he says, at that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And when Luke writes that, he denotes something very significant to the first seven chapters in the book of Acts in, in that all of the activity of the church had centered around one place, and that was Jerusalem in the region around that. And, and obviously something's about to happen here. because he, he, So he describes the church as being centralized in the city of Jerusalem, that's where, that's where Jesus had died. That's where he was raised from the dead. That's where the early church had started. Uh, but then he goes on to say, and they were all scattered. And in fact, that word scattered is going to be used three times in just the uh, five verses that I read this morning. Uh, it's a word that literally we get our, Greek, our English word dispersed from. Uh, but he's going to use it three times. But this first time he says, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. The regions of Judea and Samaria. And if you've studied the book of Acts, and Byron talked about this last Sunday, in your mind you go back to Acts 1.8, which is kind of an outline of the whole book of Acts. And Luke writes there, he says... Uh, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so that's the way Luke is going to lay out the gospel because that's the way the gospel went out. And so here, they've been centralized in Jerusalem, but intense persecution, persecution comes and they are dispersed they are scattered and where are they scattered first they're scattered first in Judea and Samaria which were the regions right around Jerusalem the other thing he ends that verse he says except for the apostles and I want, I want you to kind of get in your brain just this this idea that okay they were centralized in Jerusalem and uh, when they were scattered everybody went out except the the apostles, which we assume there's 12 of them at this time. And if you think about the numbers that Luke has mentioned in the book of Acts, you realize that 3,000 are saved on the day of Pentecost. And then there's 5,000 and a couple cha chapters later. And then there's, there's more after that. And so think about this. There are thousands of people. And there's only 12 that are left in Jerusalem. What does that denote? Well, there's thousands minus 12 that are scattered out first to Judea and Samaria. And so there's, there's all these people. And uh, in verse 4 of Acts 8, it says, it continues this. You can read the verses in between if you want to, but 
it talks about Stephen and Saul, but it says in verse 4, it picks this up and it says, therefore, those who were scattered, and so there's that word again, went everywhere preaching the word. Um, so you see the word scattered again. This, this is the word that kind of connects it all. And I think the significant word there is that they went everywhere. Well, where had they been? They'd been in Jerusalem. God sends intense persecution. And now they're going everywhere. Uh, what were they doing? What well, says, and this becomes another common word through this section, they were preaching the word. And so God sends pers allows persecution, however you want to figure that. And uh, they are scattered, they are dispersed, and they go everywhere. Thousands of people, what are they doing? They are preaching. And what you understand is even though it was persecution, and they would have looked at it and said, well, this is not a good thing, God was using it for His purposes because they were moving out from Jerusalem and they were doing the thing that he told them to do. I want you to go into all the world and preach the gospel, which they had not done in the first seven chapters. And in fact, you see this then in the next few chapters, that the stories of them going everywhere and preaching the gospel. But at this point, the early church enters into a different season. And if you ask them at the time, it was not good circumstances. It was intense persecution. And surely some of those among the thousands in their minds had to think, why has God allowed this? What is, how, how is this good? How is this furthering God's kingdom? Because persecution has come. But you see, in time, and particularly us 2,000 years later, we look back on the story with perspective of time and what we discover after the fact is that God had not lost control but he had a purpose for it if you flip on in your Bibles to the 11th chapter now there's several stories in between about the gospel going out in Judea and Samaria. Uh, but Luke then picks up what he, this theme from 8, verse 1 and verse 4. And it says in Acts eleven nineteen. It says, now those who were scattered. And so you see that this is now the third time. So this is, this is kind of a catchphrase. Those who were scattered after the persecution that arose over Stephen. That's... Acts chapter 8, traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus, and then the key word becomes, the key location becomes Antioch. What were they doing? They were preaching the word, okay? That's what it says in 8.4. But notice what it says, to no one but the Jews only. So, what you realize in the story is, yes, they are going everywhere, but the reality is, is they are not talking to everyone. And 
God intended, his purpose was not only that they would go everywhere, but they would talk to everyone. Who are they talking to? They're talking to people like themselves. The gospel is still going out beyond Judea and Samaria. Uh, it's going everywhere. Phoenicia, Cyprus, significantly Antioch. But they are not preaching to everyone. Here's the verse. This is kind of where it all comes together. And the reason I wanted to share this this morning. Verse 20. It says, but some of them. And, and I want you to get this. There's thousands that have gone out. And I, I guess when he says some, what he means is a small percentage which means that the vast majority of the people maybe didn't get past Judea and Samaria and they weren't talking to everyone, but some of them. But some of them were men from Cyprus and Cyrene who, when they had come to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenist. The Hellenist, another word for Greeks. They were pagans. They were... They were people that spoke the Greek language. What were they doing? Preaching the Lord Jesus. Some of them not only went everywhere, but they spoke to everyone. And you begin to see that God is fulfilling his purpose, that the gospel would go everywhere and it would be spoken to everyone. Notice the results of that in verse 21, and this is our last verse. It says, and the hand of the Lord was with them. Who, who is them? It is some of them who were preaching everywhere to everyone. And the hand of the Lord was with them. And a great number believed and turned to the Lord. The greatest results of those who were scattered because of the persecution were with those who preached to every one. And what we see historically, and played out in the book of Acts, that it is the church that these people started, the church of Antioch, that becomes the driving force of Christianity. It leaves Jerusalem, it centers in Antioch, eventually Barnabas and Saul end up there, and it becomes this the driving force of Christianity that sets the tone that the gospel would go everywhere and would be for everyone. And, and what we see then after the fact is that God used this season of life, these adverse circumstances that the early church went through to further his kingdom, his agenda, his cause, and to bring himself glory think about our own lives today I think for most of us it seems in the midst of the crisis in which we find ourselves that life as we have known it has changed you can think about all those things it, it's just a different time and if we just look at it with our human eyes, we, it just seems like the circumstances are, are adverse. So many things that are challenges and so many things that are so different about our life today than it was a month ago. 
And you say, well, how do we as Christians respond to that? And really the question becomes, do we believe that God is greater than these circumstances? Or do we look with our human eyes and we, I think it's so many times an expression of fear that we say, well, quite, quite honestly, I feel like coronavirus is greater than God. But the question is, is God greater than this crisis? And then the question is, is it possible that God could use this for his kingdom purpose and for his glory? And if you step back and you say, wait a second, we're people of faith. Then we say, the answer is absolutely I think sometimes our response in the midst of all of this, this season that we're passing through is that somehow God has lost control. And I get, the, I get that picture of me spinning around in that minivan north of Lubbock, Texas on an icy bridge. And it's like I've lost control. But after the fact, I realize, and with that, here's the reflection. I went, no, no, no. Yeah, I'd lost control. But God's hand had not So is God greater than this crisis? Absolutely. Can God use this? Absolutely. God is still in control. It's not just that God can use this. I've come to the place to I realize God will use this. God does have a purpose for this. It's not just that he has allowed it. It's that God will use this crisis in our lives for his glory and for his agenda. There's two things I want to challenge you with. And the first one is, do not push the panic button. The challenge for us is that we would respond in faith. And what is faith? It is the belief that God is still in control and God is so great that he can use these circumstances for his glory. And I would ask that out of faith we would see God's hand even in this the second thing I would say and I don't know why I came up with panic button and the pause button I know, it's just two buttons and that's just the way it's kind of wrote down in my notes but I, I don't want you to hit the panic button but secondly I don't want you to hit the pause button because I think the pause button denotes it's like okay we're just on we're on lockdown we're shut down we're just here Okay, we're just going to, I don't know, it's going to be a couple weeks, it's going to be a couple months, and, you know, when we pass through this experience, then we'll, we'll just kind of pick back up with life. And I would say, if you, pu- if you push the pause button, you're going to miss the purpose of God in the midst of this. And the truth is, we have experienced an unexpected turn of events. Uh... <laughs> For me as a pastor, you know, we begin a year talking about Vision 2020 and what God would want to do in our midst. And uh, I've challenged you that we would relationally connect the gospel to people all around us. And we've been kind of laying out that agenda, boy, we've been working. Uh, and then all of a sudden, coronavirus comes. <laughs> and I'm going, oh my, this isn't good. And then I realize 
when I, when, I, when I got a little bit of perspective, when you looked at it in faith, no, God's hand is in this. And God's going to use this for his glory. This did not take God by surprise. It took the preacher by surprise. But it didn't take God by surprise. The last couple months, I've said you need to be responsible for the people that are in your circles of influence. What I would want to say to you today is you are not only responsible for those who are in your circles of influence, but you are also responsible for the seasons that you pass through. And this crisis is a season that we are passing through. And it is a season that we must see the opportunities that God will set before us. Do not push the pause button but raise your spiritual sensitivity to look around you and to see what is it that God would want to do in this time. What are the opportunities that present themselves? If you don't respond in faith, you're going to miss it. In a season when we cannot gather, I want to challenge you that you go and that you seize the opportunities that God gives you. That we would, be the, we would be those some of Acts 11.20. That some that not only went everywhere, but they preached the gospel to everyone. They seized the opportunity. And who is it that God had the greatest results through? It was those people. And if we will do the same, then God will use it for his glory and for his purpose. If you would let me lead us in prayer. Uh, Father, we, uh, we thank you that you're a great God. And that, uh, Father, I first just confess that uh, I've, at times I've taken my eyes off of you and I've missed what this is all about. And Father, I pray that you would give us the spiritual insight to see this season for what it is and that father you would give us the faith to step into those opportunities that you set before us and so I pray for a time in which Huntington First Baptist Church cannot gather that father as you have us outside these four walls that you would use us uh, to do what it is that you've challenged us to do in vision 2020 which is relationally connect the gospel to the people around us and so I pray that you'd help us to see people as you see people and you'd give us courage to step into those opportunities in the days ahead. And Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.